Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This episode deals with serious and distressing content. Listener discretion is advised. And he turned in his seat and leaned in really close. So he's almost facing me in the car, and I'm thinking he's going to try to kiss me. And instead, he said, really quietly, do you know what? I'm going to kill you. This is How I Survived, stories of everyday people and how they survived against the odds. I'm your host, Beth Young. You know, am I going to die or what? I mean, I, I look back at it now and I thought, you know, how did I ever survive that? I think that I probably survived for a reason. How I Survived In 1974, Rhonda Stapley was a pharmacy student at the University of Utah. A committed Mormon, she didn't smoke, drink or go to parties. She'd never even set foot in a bar. My my worst thing probably that I consumed that I shouldn't have my little secret sin was Pepsi. I liked Pepsi. <laughs> but one autumn day, Rhonda Stapley accepted a lift from a stranger. He was a good-looking law student, not much older than her, and he seemed really nice. She had no idea of the horror that would unfold. It was a Friday... I had classes at the university until early afternoon, and then I had a dental appointment downtown. And I'd taken a city bus to the dentist appointment. And then after the appointment, I had, had walked over to a city park, uh, a couple blocks away from the dentist's office, to kind of break in a new pair of hiking boots that I'd gotten. And then a little while later, my, my um, mouth started to come unnumb from the dental procedure. And I could tell that my mouth was going to be sore, and I decided that I really should find the bus and get back up to the university where I could get to some aspirins or something. Or So I went to a bus stop, and I waited and waited. So I was just about to you know, cross the park and see if I could find a different bus stop that would still take me up to the U. When this tan Volkswagen drove by, the car drove by just really slowly past me at the bus stop and kind of stopped just barely past me and... The driver put it in reverse and backed up and reached over and rolled down the passenger window and asked me where I was going. And I told him I was trying to get up to the university. And he said, that's where I'm going. You know, hop in. I'll give you a ride. This was 1974 in Salt Lake City, and things were safe then, and people helped each other then. And um, it wasn't a time when people were afraid of people. Um, I'm sure bad things happened, but they never seemed to happen around me. Rhonda had no way of knowing, but she was sitting beside Ted Bundy, one of the world's worst serial killers. Over four years, Bundy tortured and murdered 36 women. It's likely there were more. But the monster could turn on the charm. He was 
uh, nice looking young man, looked like a college student, presented himself as a college student. He had dark curly hair, dark eyes, and a, a friendly smile. And I didn't didn't feel any kind of fear. It just felt like a, a fellow college student helping another college student. <clears throat> we started driving and we were having just kind of idle conversation and I told him, I'm Rhonda and I'm a pharmacy student and he told me he was Ted and he was a law student. And just a couple of blocks he turned a direction that you could get to the university but it wasn't the normal route to the to the college. And I asked him about that. I says, you know, why are we turning here? And he says, Oh, I hope you don't mind. He was really polite and he asked me very politely, I hope you don't mind, but I have a really short errand to run up by the zoo. So I told him, no, it was fine, I didn't mind. I figured I'd still be home faster than if I had waited for the bus. And then we drove up to the zoo and he didn't stop at the zoo, he kept going. And I sort of joked with him, says, I thought you were taking me to the zoo. And he says, no, I didn't say to the zoo, I said near the zoo. And we kept going. That road goes through a little town and goes over the hill and comes back in another, drops into another canyon and heads back into the city. And so now we're going, driving back into town and I'm not worried because we're going the right direction and he hasn't been inappropriate at all. But Ted didn't keep driving in the right direction for long and Rhonda started to feel uneasy. Instead he turned left and we were going up another canyon and that was when the ride started to feel um, different and and maybe not safe. Not really not safe, but awkward and strange because he stopped talking to me. In my mind, I thought that he's looking for a place to park and make out. And, you know, I'm a innocent little Mormon girl and I am not a make out kind of person and I don't know him very well. And my mouth is sore from going to the dentist and I'm just trying to think of how do I get out of this situation in a way that doesn't embarrass either of us <laughs> and thinking that I'm trying to get out of a romantic um, encounter and eventually he did pull into a parking place it was like a kind of deserted picnic area and he pulled into the trees and parked and turned off the car and at that point he I, I'm still I'm still trying to ward off this um, advance and he turned in his seat and leaned in really close um, so he's almost facing me in the car and I'm thinking he's going to try to kiss me and instead he said really quietly do you know what I'm going to kill you and he put his hands on my throat and started um, choking me and shaking me well, the very first thing that I thought as soon as he started you know when he said I'm going to kill you and started choking me was what is going on you know at first I thought maybe he's got a really strange sense of humor or you know why would he want to kill me and why would he want to kill anybody and why would he choose me and and how can I get out of this and just a, a million thoughts kind of going through your head about what's going to happen and how can I fix this so we had this battle in the car I, I lost and I, I went unconscious for a while and when I came to, he'd moved me out of the car onto a picnic table. And that's where the assault continued. I'm still trying to figure out how to get out of this. And I'm, I'm crying and, and begging for my life. And he's slugging me in the stomach and kind of beating me. 
and he's he's grabbing my face and shaking my head back and forth and the stitches from the dentist had stitches all along the my gum line and he'd ripped those stitches had ripped open and my mouth was bleeding he would strangle me until I was unconscious and then he would kind of revive me and, and bring me back and let me breathe a little bit and and at one point he asked me so how would you prefer to die would you like to be did you like it better like this and he would cut off my air supply with his hand and over my nose and mouth or would you prefer it like this and he would strangle me or maybe you like it better like this and he would on me really hard so I couldn't breathe. Not really wanting an answer, but just wanting to to watch me be terrified and to watch me go in and out of consciousness. When Rhonda woke again, Ted told her she was a good girl. You don't want to miss the best part, he taunted, before pulling down her pants and raping her. As he tightened his hands around her neck one more time, Rhonda prayed that he would just let her die. The last time that I... I regain consciousness. I was lying on the ground in the canyon and I noticed that he had moved away and was over standing by the Volkswagen. The door was open so there was the dome light and that was the only source of light. But I could see him in the glow of the dome light doing something in the back of the Volkswagen. And I didn't really think or plan an escape. I just, adrenaline kicked in and I just ran the opposite direction into the darkness. I didn't know that my pants were around my ankles, but because of that, I only could take one or two steps and I fell just immediately. There happened to be a fast-moving mountain stream right there, and uh, that's probably divine intervention or something that made all of those events line up so that I was able to escape. But I fell into that river that swept me away from my attacker. I still thought that I was going to die, smashing into rocks and boulders and going over, not not really waterfalls, but there were, the rushing water was swirling around boulders and things that I was crashing into. When Rhonda finally got out of the water, she still had on her hiking boots. Bundy hadn't taken them off when he raped her. So she pulled her pants up and decided to walk home. The first thing that I thought when I got out of the water was rearranging my clothes was nobody can ever know that I did this stupid thing. I nearly got myself killed. I felt embarrassed and stupid and like my roommates and, and my friends would treat me differently or disrespect me and that um, I wasn't pure and innocent anymore and that I had been ruined. And I thought that if my mother found out, she'd make me drop out of school and go home. And I imagined people pointing at me and saying, that's that girl that was raped. I thought I was just an isolated incident and I was just going to suck it up and pretend it never happened. Well, I had some bruising and things on my face. When people would ask me about it, I would blame it on the dentist. I would lift up my lip and show them the row of stitches and say, you know, I've just been to, to the dentist. Someone would say, gosh, you look really terrible. Have you been in a car crash? And I'd say, no, I've been to the dentist. See, and I'd show them my stitches. Um, and everybody seemed to buy that story and believe me. I guess no one had any reason to suspect that I had been assaulted because those things didn't happen in my city in those days. But just a week before Ted Bundy had abducted Rhonda, he'd murdered 16-year-old Nancy Wilcox. Then, 
three more girls went missing in Rhonda's area. Melissa Smith, Laura Aim and Debbie Kent, all 17. And, like Rhonda, they were all petite, with long brown hair parted down the middle. So in my mind, I was not connecting them and I was just thinking, boy, there are a couple of bad guys running around in our city. And then in November, so it had been almost almost a month since my attack, that's the day that Ted Bundy attacked two different women, attacked Carol DeRanche, kidnapped her from the, the Cottonwood Mall and uh, pretended to be a police officer and convinced her to get in the car with him and then he tried to handcuff her. She managed to escape and then she went to the police and then later that same day he'd gone to Bountiful and it's a little town about 11 miles from here and had kidnapped Deborah Kent and murdered her. Her body's never been found. But that really made the news when there was those two attacks on the same day. And that's when I knew that my bad guy was everybody's bad guy. And I started feeling guilt that it was somehow my fault that all those other girls had been killed because if I had come forward, then maybe he would have been captured or at least people would have been warned to stay away from two guys at Volkswagens. In August 1975, Ted Bundy was finally arrested and charged with multiple murders. But his reign of terror wasn't over. He escaped from prison twice in 1977, killing more innocent women before he was captured again. He went on trial in, in July of 79 and I had gotten married in May so I just a brand new newlywed when he was his trial was on TV and his trial was one of the first murder trials that was like televised they had you know pictures of his teeth impressions and pictures of um, him walking around pretending to be his own his lawyer and, and dressed like a lawyer and not in shackles and not in prison uniform and I needed to watch that every day to make sure he really was there because he had proven to me that he could escape. But there was no escape when on January 24, 1989, Ted Bundy was put to death in an electric chair at the Florida State Prison. He was 42. No one would ever know how many women he'd really killed, although it is believed the tally might be closer to 100. Bundy may have been dead and buried, but Rhonda Stapley was still living with her terrible secret. A mum of two, she'd never told a soul, not even her husband. I thought I was doing really good. I hardly ever thought about it. And it was kind of, it's not like I forgot it. I always remembered that that had happened, but I just was not willing to let my mind go there. Didn't really affect my daily life in any way for, for years. Until one day at my job, I, I'm, I was a pharmacist, and at my pharmacy job, the manager, the pharmacy boss, decided to fire a bunch of people, and he, he yelled at me. He didn't fire me because he had no reason to fire me, but he yelled at me, and he used the same intonation and the same degree of anger and, and hatred and viciousness that Ted Bundy had used all those years before, and it brought all of that repressed stuff up the surface. I, I figured out that it was PTSD. I was having nightmares and insomnia and night sweats and panic attacks and just about every symptom of PTSD that you can think of. And I was trying to figure out how to not go crazy because that's what I felt like I was doing. I searched the web, the, the, just the internet, 
you know, I survived Ted Bundy to see if anybody else had said that ever. And I, and I found somebody who, who actually was a survivor from Florida who uh, talked to me and encouraged me to seek counseling and, and start healing those old wounds. Working with a counsellor, Rhonda broke the news to her family and friends. With their help, she then channeled her feelings into writing it all down and publishing a book, I Survived Ted Bundy. I've certainly transferred all of my thinking from being a victim to being a survivor. I think that I probably survived for a reason. I have kind of some issues with understanding why why God would let me live and not all of those other women. And, and I still have some kind of guilt that I, I'm supposed to be getting rid of, but I'm holding on to it for some strange psychological reason, I'm sure. I, I wrote the book mostly just as, as therapy for myself, as a way to, if I couldn't tell it, maybe I could write it down. So I wrote down the hardest parts that I, it was so hard for me to talk about. And, and then I got thinking that there are certainly other women who've survived even worse things than, than that. And maybe they're holding these secrets and maybe if they read my story, they will be encouraged to find help for their uh, emotional injuries and, and start doing their personal healing. And that's the reward from writing the book is that's happening. People are emailing me from all over the world saying that my story has helped them in so many ways. If you struggled with the themes in this episode, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or contact your local crisis centre. Rhonda's book is available at Amazon.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss more incredible stories of survival. We'll bring you a new one each week. For more amazing real-life tales, pick up your copy of That's Life or visit thatslife.com.au. Next week on How I Survived. So he made me swallow the three sleeping pills. I remember waking up and he was standing over the top of me. I don't know what time it was. And then I seen him grab a knife. And he just looked at me and he didn't say anything. And he just cut my throat. How I Survived Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.